0: Chapter 2 Like Glass. The world was blinding. Hermione's body felt like it had broken into a thousand fragments, burning pieces lost in a dark suspension, just to come snapping back together all at once. Her limbs were spread out at awkward angles on a cold, hard ground. Her eyes flew open to a light like a ray of piercing sunlight, making her wince. She inhaled through her burning throat and immediately rolled to her side and coughed, a horrible, raspy sound. Blood splattered across the concrete. Oh, oh, good Lord! Hermione heard a woman crying out, shrill and panicked. The sound assaulted her like nails being thrust directly into her eardrums. Carl, Carl, go knock on someone's door, call an ambulance. The woman was kneeling at her side. Hermione whimpered when she shouted in such close proximity to her, curling into herself and covering her head with her hands. She felt something warm and sticky on her neck. She was bleeding. Her skin felt like it was on fire from where Merope had stricken her. Don't worry, dear, don't worry. We're calling for help. Hermione peered up through her lashes, her vision blurred, she saw the hazy outline of a woman and she was sparkling. An ambulance, she'd said. Oh dear, oh no. The woman began rummaging through her purse, quickly pulling out a handkerchief. Here, let me put this on that wound. You should apply pressure. Hermione's addled mind was struck with a crushing wave of clarity, the kind which was only brought on by adrenaline and fear. Her eyes focused, her heart froze. An ambulance, these were muggles and and she had just been attacked and she dropped her wand. Hermione started to push herself to her feet. No dear, you shouldn't move, the woman cried, reaching for her shoulder with the hand which did not hold the handkerchief. Hermione shoved it aside and stood anyway. The blood rushed to her head but she shook off the spell of dizziness remaining on her feet. Her wand. She had been disarmed. Her wand had flown that way. Hermione looked wildly in the direction in which it had gone, but she saw nothing in the empty street. No wand, no feeble mother about to give birth, nothing. It was still night, however. That blinding light from before was not blinding at all, only the dim street light which she had landed under. The muggle man came running forward. Hermione noticed that he was wearing a smart vintage suit and that the woman herself hadn't really been sparkling. She was just wearing a bejeweled necklace and hat as well as a bright poofy dress. No one answered the door. Should we take her to the orphanage? They must have a nurse or... No! Hermione screamed, backing away a few paces. The unexpected ferocity in her voice made them both jump. Slowly, breathing deeply... Hermione removed her hand from her bleeding neck, wondering how bad the injury was. The second she did, the man gasped, and the woman let out a high, quick yelp. They both looked horrified. Pretty bad, then. I'm not going to that orphanage, she snarled. The muggles raised their hands defensively, clearly much more afraid of Hermione than for her now. Hermione was about to take off, to flee, but then she hesitated. She took a quick step forward and snatched the handkerchief from the woman's hand, who let out another shrill yelp in response. Hermione held the lacy fabric to her neck. Thank you, she muttered, before turning away and heading to where she thought her wand might have gone. She could heal herself if she had her wand. At least, she hoped she could. Hermione could only imagine what kind of injury she had, or what she even looked like, for that matter. Had the stabilizing potion she and Draco made worked? It felt like she'd splinched a thousand times when Merope Gaunt slammed the time-turner into her throat. Heart racing, Hermione reached for the chain around her neck. It wasn't there. Merope must have ripped the entire thing off her. The time-turner, a true time-turner, Draco's time-turner. Hermione turned and looked back where she'd landed. The muggles must have decided that she did not need their help after all, and were now practically running in the opposite direction. But she didn't see even a trace of glass or golden fragments. The time-turner was gone. Draco is going to murder me for having lost that, Hermione despaired. She pulled the handkerchief away from her neck. It was already half saturated in blood. If I can get back to him, that is. She wondered how long Draco would wait in the year she had left before trying to find her. Would he try at all? She supposed it all depended on what she did here. If she was able to get back to that time before her body was too badly affected, then it wouldn't matter. But if she couldn't? Hermione forced her mounting panic aside focusing instead on looking everywhere in the vicinity for her wand. With each beat, she felt like her heart might give out. It must be here, she thought. It must be. It must. But it wasn't. Hermione tried summoning it to her. She tried sound. (laughs) Hermione tried summoning it to her. She tried shouting, Lumos, in hopes that it would light up so that she could see it. Nothing. Her wand was not here. Fuck, Hermione swore, happy in that moment to be on a deserted street at night. Wool's Orphanage was still a few blocks away, a dismal gray building that looked more like a prison than a place where children lived. She swallowed thickly, her throat burning when she did. Maybe she would have to go to that orphanage after all. How long had she been passed out? What kind of horrific magic had Marope struck her with to make her experience such disorienting, terrible pain? It couldn't have been too long, or else someone would have found her sooner before that muggle couple, unless Hermione started to examine her surroundings properly. The clock tower in the distance stood just as it had before, reading 20 minutes until midnight. Wool's orphanage looked the same, but the rest of the street didn't. Those little shops with the clothes signs weren't there before, Hermione realized, her blood running cold. Neither were all those nice houses. They were more run down before, weren't they? These looked remodeled. The scenery was different. Her wand was gone. The time-turner was gone. Hermione started to hyperventilate. She stumbled sideways, leaning against a tree as she struggled to breathe. Her muscles ached and her neck continued to burn, but the pain was hardly noticeable over the fear which now threatened to overwhelm her. Her vision was blurring again. She could taste bile clawing its way up her throat. She was either going to pass out or be sick, possibly both. Hold it together, Granger. Hermione closed her eyes and forced herself to take a deep breath. Focus on your breathing. Count to three. Breathe in. Breathe out. Remember your training. You didn't let Holloway attack your mind for months just to lose it over something like this. Breathe in. Breathe out. It took longer than it usually did, but Hermione soon calmed her racing thoughts enough so that she was no longer on the brink of a panic attack. Six months of acclumency training, standard for all new unspeakables, had come in handy more times than she could count. It was more about finding an inner peace and sense of control than it was about being defensive. And that was a skill which was applicable to nearly all situations. Hermione opened her eyes again. She was oneless. She knew where she was, but not when. She did not have a time-turner. She had nothing. No, she realized suddenly, the tiniest spark of hope igniting in her chest. Enough gold can work miracles, Granger. Hermione reached into her pocket with her free hand, laughing breathily at the weight of galleons in the leather pouch. God bless you, Draco Malfoy, she thought with a smile. Right then, Hermione cleared her expression as a short-term plan formed in her mind. Of utmost importance was to acquire a wand, but first and foremost, she had to deal with this injury and get off the streets of muggle London. Hermione turned a corner into a shady alley, stuck her wand arm out, and waited. The night bus came, and with it, a sense of irrational security. Hermione took the night bus quite often in her daily life in her own time. She smiled at its familiar purple paint, but couldn't help but notice that it didn't seem to be nearly as chaotic in its approach. It pulled up to where she stood slowly, not at all like it was being driven by a half-blind man who somehow retained his position. The door opened and a short, stout woman stepped out. Welcome aboard the, oh Merlin's beard, what's happened to you? And she hadn't even moved the handkerchief yet. I've been mugged, Hermione said, and she hardly had to pretend to act despairing. I've been attacked, I was hit with some curse, he took my wand. Oh, you poor thing, the conductor cried. Let me see, let me... The moment Hermione moved the drenched fabric from her neck, the woman's face paled. It was really bad then. What kind of curse were you hit with? I don't know, Hermione snapped, placing the handkerchief back over the wound. He didn't exactly stop to tell me before he took my wand, just... Do you mind healing me, please ma'am? I'm sort of bleeding all over the place. The conductor's face paled even further. I only know basic charms, I'm no proper healer. It was really, really bad then. Well, I'm very good at curative magic if you don't mind me borrowing your wand. If I can board and use the restroom, I can look in the mirror and see what I'm doing. When the conductor didn't immediately react, only continued to stare at her neck dumbfoundedly. Hermione nearly screamed. I have the fare, she said, and I'd be happy to give you extra if you let me use your wand for just a few moments. You, you can pay to get on the bus? The conductor balked. But you just said you've been mugged. Hermione realized her blunder too late, but quickly recovered. Yes, well, I always keep an extra bit of money hidden in my inner pocket." Here. She pulled out a single galleon and offered it up. Apply this to my fare and keep the extra as a thank you for letting me use your wand. Please. The conductor's eyes widened in shock at that statement. Hermione wondered if maybe she had made another mistake. How much more were galleons worth in this present? Was inflation as severe in the magical world as it was in the muggle world? all questions Hermione had never bothered to consider before her trip. She suddenly wished Draco had come with her after all. Well? The conductor stared for a moment before pocketing the galleon and nodding firmly. Of course, of course, right this way, Miss... Hermione paused. Johnson, she said. Er, Jane Johnson. The conductor blinked but didn't comment. Well, Hermione thought, if she had to work on an alias later, she would do much better than that. Hermione climbed aboard the night bus. The driver, too, was someone unfamiliar to her. An older gentleman with dark hair, who was clearly much better at his job than Ernie Prang was. He glanced at Hermione and looked as concerned as the conductor was. Hermione ignored him. You're one, then, if you don't mind. Hermione said as soon as she'd boarded. The conductor reached into her pocket. My name is Marianne, by the way, she said, standing proudly and handing over her wand. Marianne Williams, conductor of the night bus for almost five years now. Charmed, Hermione said, far more concerned with her injury than familiarities. She turned and headed towards the bathroom at the back of the bus before Marianne could direct her. Fortunately, the night bus was a much less unpredictable vehicle under this driver's care. It was also nearly empty, having been hailed at such a late hour. She found the women's restroom and slammed the door shut behind her. Bracing herself, Hermione slowly removed the handkerchief and faced the mirror. She nearly fainted on the spot. It wasn't that the jacket cut looked too terribly grave, no. It was simply how unreal the injury appeared but Hermione was only able to examine it for a second before the trickle of blood obscured it. Forcing herself to concentrate, she pointed the wand tip at the wound and murmured the words, Vulneris and enter. The gash slowly sewed itself shut. Her skin mended and the bleeding ceased. She wiped away the excess blood. The bizarre markings remained. Hermione stared in awe and shock as she examined the lines that swirled around the center of her throat, radiating from the point of injury, which was just above her collarbone on the left side of her neck. They were strangely beautiful in an outlandish, horrific way, gleaming golden arches that glimmered almost as though they were flecked with bits of diamonds, like glass, like glass. Hermione almost screamed at the comprehension. The time-turner had been smashed into her neck, right there. And when she'd woken up, she'd found no trace of it, not a shard of glass, not a bit of fragmented metal. It hadn't simply vanished, not all of it anyway, if it had left such a scar. Hermione leaned forward with both hands on the sink, her entire body trembling. Though whether it was from blood loss or pure shock, she wasn't sure. Focus, Hermione. She berated herself yet again. Focus. You need a wand. You can figure something out. You always do. But first, you need a wand. Hermione cleaned the rest of the blood from her face and neck, and as much as she could rinse from her hair. She then purposefully arranged her unruly locks so that they fell on that side, hiding the whirling, shimmering markings as much as possible. She made her way up to the front of the night bus again, Marianne sat in the conductor's seat, looking expectant. Thank you, Hermione said, returning her wand. You're welcome, Miss Johnson, Marianne responded, looking much less pale now that Hermione was no longer covered in blood. Should we take you to St. Mungo's? Would... No, Hermione interrupted. No, I'm fine, really. I... I would like to go to Diagon Alley, actually. Hermione looked at her for a long moment before finally nodding. All right, she said. We have two stops to make before that, and they're a bit out of the way. Would you rather us go to Diagon Alley first, since we're in London? We could be there in an hour. Or we could make these few rounds first, if you prefer to sleep through the night in the bed you paid for, and arrive downtown early in the morning, unless you have plans tonight. Yet, Hermione frowned. Plans? No, no plans. I would very much like to just rest through the night, thank you. Please make the other stops first, she said. Marianne gave her a sort of sympathetic grin. All right, dear, pick any curtain space on the second floor that you like, and you let me know if you need anything. Hermione nodded wordlessly in response, feeling exhausted. Then, just as she was about to climb the steps to the second story, she paused. She paused. Oh, actually, do you have today's paper? I missed it. Sure, here. The conductor handed her an issue of the Daily Prophet. Happy almost New Year, she added. Hermione didn't respond to that comment and made herself wait to read the full headline. She picked the space furthest from the front of the bus and covered herself in the blankets which were provided. Only once she had taken many deep breaths and lulled herself into a state of calm, did Hermione allow herself to pick up the prophet? December 31st, 1949. Her brain seemed frozen as she read that date over and over again. December 31st, 1949. Simple math seemed such an impossible task suddenly. She'd watched the memories. Hermione had memorized every date of importance which concerned Tom Marvolo Riddle and the deformed witch who had birthed him. If Hermione had failed to kill Marope Gaunt, and she was pretty damn certain that she had failed spectacularly, that meant that Tom Riddle, Hermione was very glad that she was sitting down. Her head was swimming as the horrific truth of what year she had landed in and what it meant about the wizard she was trying to kill sunk in. She was undoubtedly about to pass out now. In about 10 minutes, it would officially be January 1st, 1950. Somehow, she thought through a delirium of panic and near hysteria, somehow she imagined that it was going to be much more difficult to murder a 23-year-old Tom Riddle than an unborn one.